From the Lake County Wine Grape Commission and UC Davis, this is The Vine Line, an in-depth look at issues that winemakers and grape growers face across California. In this episode, we consider the effect of drought on the California wine grape industry. The material in this program comes from a forum presented in 2019 by the Commission and the U.S. Cooperative Extension in Lakeport, California. Discussing her work will be Megan Bartlett, an associate professor at UC Davis in the Department of Viticulture and Enology. Okay, so California is a, um, is a Mediterranean environment that has um, frequent and significant drought periods as we've experienced in the last few years in California. And we're also in a climate trend right now where um, the years, uh, the more recent years are also the years that have been considerably warmer than average. And there's no reason from the data to think that that's going to be different anytime soon. So grape growers and viticulturists in California are experiencing increasing challenges from drought and heat stress. And we have two approaches to mitigate environmental stress. Um, we can develop management strategies uh, that mitigate the effects of these stresses on yield and quality, um, things like irrigation management and different um, pruning and um, trellising techniques. And we can also develop cultivars that are more stress resistant intrinsically. And so where I come into this is that my background is in studying plant drought tolerance. Um, and I work on how we can use the plant physiology to predict how plants are going to behave under future more stressful conditions, and also identify the traits that are most important to conferring stress tolerance. And so those are the approaches that I want to bring into viticulture to look at how we can use um, detailed models of plant physiology to predict how different varieties are going to perform under different um, the different environmental conditions expected for California viticultural regions, and also what are the most important traits that we can target in cultivar improvement to get more intrinsically stress-tolerant grape varieties um, without impacting our wine quality. And so I'm going to talk about uh, some of my previous work uh, based on these two questions, um, and that work has been looking at First, like what are the traits that are really most crucial to plant drought tolerance? And then second, how can we use those traits um, to actually predict the effects of drought on your plant performance? So for example, your carbon gain and your growth. So I'm gonna start by talking about um, work that's focused on a leaf drought tolerance trait. And so that trait is called the Turger loss point. And so this measures the water potential that causes the cell walls and the leaf to collapse and the leaf to wilt. And so this is something that has been expected to be fairly important to plant drought tolerance. Um, because if you are a more drought tolerant plant, it's expected that you would be able to experience more negative water potentials before you experience this cell collapse and this wilting. And so, um, what I wanted to do with this study was to look at, is this something that actually has broad predictive power? If we go around to diverse plants and measure this trait, do we actually get a sense of how drought tolerant the plant is in a, in, within its life cycle? And then um, how do plants actually change their cellular anatomy and their cellular chemistry to achieve a drought tolerant turgor loss point? What kind of characteristics would we have to focus on if we were developing plants with a more uh, drought tolerant turgor loss point? And so for the first part of this study, I did a synthesis of every plant that had been measured for this trait in the literature. So this is looking at roughly 300 species. And so on the x-axis, the really drought-tolerant leaves are over here with a really negative turgor loss point, and um, things with a more vulnerable turgor loss point are over here. And so across all these different ecosystems worldwide for these over 300 species, we're seeing that there's a really strong coordination between how drought-tolerant your turgor loss point is and the dryness of your environment. So this is something 
something that there's evidence to suggest that this is a really good indicator trait for drought tolerance. Um, that if we want to be able to characterize plants rapidly in terms of their drought tolerance, this is something that would be informative to focus on. And another thing that comes out of this is that this is a synthesis of different crop species. And they're way over here in this corner of being far more vulnerable than um, basically every naturally occurring species. So that indicates that there's kind of a lot of room to focus on this trait and try to improve it in crop varieties uh, to get more drought and heat resistant agriculture. And the next part of the study was to look at what's the cellular anatomy that makes for a drought-tolerant leaf? How would we actually go about getting new varieties to achieve this? And so there's a few different hypotheses in the literature for how plants actually do this. Um, there's one idea that this is all about cell chemistry, where they actually pack sugars and salts into their cells to hold the water molecules into the cell, kind of the way you put salt in water to make it boil at a higher temperature. And so there's other ideas that they're actually changing the cellular structure. So for example, they're physically bonding water molecules into the cell walls and holding onto it really tightly, or they're building these really stiff cell walls that resist cell collapse. And so when you go into dry environments, you actually see all three of these adaptations at once. And so it hasn't really been clear what is really the most important to different species or different environments, how much of these um, three different traits would you actually have to focus on to achieve a drought-tolerant leaf. And so I was expecting to see that there's a fairly idiosyncratic relationship between these are the species where each of these three traits is kind of most important. And so what I did is I developed a new mathematical model that predicted your turgor loss point from these three different anatomical and chemical characteristics. And um, not to go too much into the weeds here, um, what I did is I used that theory and applied it to all these species that had been measured for turgor loss point in these traits to pick out what was the most important driver in all of these different species to see where are these most important. And what I actually found was really surprising is that almost all of your variation in how drought tolerant your leaves were could actually be explained by your cellular chemistry. Where you see that the species that are in these really dry environments have these high solute concentrations in the leaves. So they're actually bonding in these water molecules and holding them into the cells. And um, there's also plants, many species are able to increase their drought tolerance when they're exposed to drought. And so what I found is that all these plants are actually achieving this by changing their cellular chemistry, where they're sending even more carbon, even more sugars into their cells to hold on to these water molecules. And so what this, um, the outcome of this was saying that there's one universal mechanism that plants are using to resist wilting during drought. And so we can actually take that, um, that single mechanism and target it in cultivar development. And so that's uh, the reason that my work kind of focuses on this really small scale physiology in part. Um, because when we identify the cellular drivers that uh, actually underlie these kind of larger scale important mechanisms, uh, this can allow us to develop genetic markers in order to be able to target these things in cultivar development. We can say this is the exact mechanism we need to achieve this and kind of ignore things that are noise or unimportant. And so this, um, this approach actually allowed me to develop a new method to measure turgor loss point really rapidly. And so this is typically something that's measured over the course of a day for a species. Um, and it's really kind of hard and laborious to measure. And um, by knowing that this is really a trait that's about cellular chemistry, I was able to develop a new method that measures this in minutes instead of hours. And so uh, this became something that we could take to all these different sites around the world and characterize the diversity of drought tolerance in these different ecosystems. 
And so um, in, the, in the five years since this method has come out, we've actually been able to almost double the number of species that have ever been assessed for drought tolerance. Um, so this kind of physiological approach also lets you develop methods for rapidly phenotyping uh, plants for cultivar development. So this is gonna be a big area of my work is continuing to look at what's the really detailed cellular anatomy and cellular chemistry that kind of creates this larger scale physiology. And so the other aspect of what I do is I bring physiology into mechanistic models for how plants uh, behave under different environmental conditions. And so the reason I do that um, is that I think that's a method that gives you a really accurate quantitative prediction for what your growth and your yield are going to be. And having these detailed models also lets you separate out what are the effect of each of these individual traits. Um, so, for example, when you look at the evolution of drought tolerance, you see a lot of traits are changing at once, but um, targeting dozens of traits isn't really realistic for cultivar development. So I want to be able to use models to isolate what are the really key, most important things that matter to the performance of the whole plant. And the other reason that these kinds of approaches are useful is that um, plants have the ability to make small adjustments in a lot of different aspects of their uh, chemistry and anatomy and physiology in response to stress conditions. And almost all of our models for crops right now assume that plants are just going to be doing the same things. Uh, and so we're actually possibly underestimating the ability that plants intrinsically have to mitigate stress. And we're potentially getting wrong predictions for how plants are going to respond to future conditions. So what I do is I develop models that look at if, we, if plants have this ability to adjust, what adjustments should they actually make? And what are the consequences of those adjustments for their larger scale performance? Um, so I use an approach called optimization theory, which basically asks what should plants do to maximize their growth? And I'm gonna give an example of, of some work I've been doing with that. And then I integrate that with these physiology models to ask what are the consequences for performance? And so this is just an example um, of work I've been doing lately that's really focused on how plants change their stomata to optimize this, um, their carbon gain and their water use uh, in response to drought. And so I am building models for how plants use carbon um, and saying that carbon comes in through photosynthesis, they lose it to respiration, and they can decide whether to send it to grow and to repair damage that happens to the plant through drought, or they can decide to store it and then use that back later um, to handle future stressful conditions. And so I'm saying that what plants want to do is that they have a goal where they want to regulate their carbon dynamics to maximize the carbon they have available for their growth and their carbon storage. And so I've been thinking about what is the control valve that plants can use to actually get this optimal uh, carbon allocation. And so I've been thinking about this in terms of the stomata, where plants have the ability to use chemical signaling and changes in their, um, and their anatomy to make really rapid adjustments in how their stomata respond to the environment. Uh, so I've been looking at how plants regulate this, um, these carbon dynamics by changing how their stomata respond to um, environmental conditions. And the reason that this can be thought of as an optimization is that stomatal conductance has costs and benefits for the plant. Or if you open your stomata more, you, get, you do more photosynthesis, you take up more carbon for growth, but at the same time you're losing water and you're experiencing these consequences um, due to due to water stress in the plant. Now, the plant is having to spend carbon to either replace tissue that's damaged by drought or to use um, metabolic mechanisms to repair the damage that happens. So I'm using these, um, I'm using mathematical approaches uh, based on these models to look at how plants are going to regulate their stomata under new drought conditions to kind of 
reach the best balance they can between um, having their stomata open enough to take up carbon for growth, but not having to keep spending too much of that carbon on these repair and regrowth mechanisms. And so just an example of um, something that comes out of this, I've been using this to look at how diversity in your physiology traits affects how your stomata are gonna respond to future conditions. So um, this example is looking at on the x-axis here, this is the drought tolerance of your stem, where um, over here on this side, this is something that's, this is a, a species that's really drought tolerant, um, where it can experience really negative water potentials before it experiences permanent damage to its stem um, xylem. And then this is something over here that's really vulnerable. And I asked the model to tell me, what's the best leaf water potential at which you should close your stomata? based on current conditions, which I'm saying there's maybe a fairly mild drought um, with a soil water potential of negative 1.5. Uh, and then how does that change when you go to really severe conditions, where now you're experiencing during a drought um, a negative water potential of maybe negative three. Uh, so I'm looking at how does the, the trait variation in your stem drought tolerance uh, produce variation in when your stomata close and how that response changes um, under new drought conditions. And what I was finding is that um, if you are a drought-tolerant species, you have a lot more leverage to keep your stomata open to more negative water potentials during drought. So those plants are actually having the ability to change their stomatal strategy so that they're continuing to do photosynthesis um, at the, at under drier conditions. Um, then these plants that are more vulnerable are kind of stuck. They're not able to make these adjustments because they experience too many costs from having to replace damaged tissue to water stress. So basically, this is, um, these are just results showing that this is a framework to think about how, if our cultivars vary, is that going to affect the adjustments that grapevines make under future conditions? And then how does that scale up to actual effects on their, on their growth and yield? It's kind of going to be a focus of my research at Davis. And so this is a, you know, this is a modeling framework that um, brings this, this intrinsic ability that plants have to mitigate stress into a, um, into a predictive framework. So it's saying that um, plants have these natural capacity to mitigate stress. And so we want, to, we want to base our predictions on that instead of assuming that plants are stuck in the responses that they have now. And you can apply this to a really wide range of plant traits to get uh, how these responses are going to vary across cultivars and explore the consequences of what happens if you vary these different traits individually for stress tolerance to kind of bring this approach into cultivar development. And so what I'm gonna be doing at UC Davis is gonna be focused on developing models that can predict growth, yield, and your berry chemistry in response to climate and management strategies. So I want to continue this approach of developing these physiology-based models um, to be able to make quantitative predictions for how grapevines are going to respond to the different environmental conditions that are expected across California. And I want to develop analytical tools that growers can use to evaluate the management options that they have for their vines and their region. Um, so I want to be able to develop models that, that uh, people can use to make really informed decisions about irrigation management, for example. 
Um, the second thing that's going to be the major focus of my research at Davis is that I want to identify the most important, the most parsimonious set of traits that we really need to target to improve stress tolerance. Um, what are the things that really give us the most bang for our buck when we're developing new cultivars? Uh, because it's not really feasible to go out and target dozens and dozens of traits that might be different um, between natural species in, in dry and wet environments. And so that's going to be work um, that's focused on identifying these really detailed cellular drivers of drought tolerance in order to collaborate uh, with molecular biologists and breeders to identify these genes that we need to target um, in, in molecular selection. And then to also uh, use these approaches to develop phenotyping methods uh, in order to rapidly assess uh, cultivars for, for, these, um, for these new phenotypes uh, and to facilitate breeding efforts. And so just in as, as an example, um, the, the way that we think about optimizing grape uh, productivity under new environmental conditions changes a little because now these things that happen in terms of growth and carbon storage are happening in service of your fruit yield and quality. So there's probably going to be different solutions that apply um, to a grapevine where we have different goals and something that's growing in natural conditions and is trying to outcompete other plants. Um, so this is a little bit of a different uh, thought process about what affects your carbon and your costs of water stress. And so I'm interested in kind of three key control tuning knobs that plants have to um, optimize their whole carbon performance in response to stresses. And so one of these I've talked about already is how would you change your grapevines to model strategy to improve your water use efficiency while maintaining your, um, your growth and photosynthesis. We can also think about uh, how do plants use metabolic responses to mitigate stress. For example, a lot of the berry chemistry that's happening during ripening is really based on stress responses. How can we um, find the, the changes in berry chemistry that have the greatest impact on mitigating stress for the plant without producing um, decreases in plant in, in your berry quality. Um, what are the metabolic stress responses that we should really target? And then finally, um, plants can choose where they allocate their carbon. They can decide to allocate to the canopy, the stem, roots, fruit, and how can we change this adjustment of where carbon gets sent to uh, maintain the, the yield and the quality that you need under uh, new environmental conditions without, for example, like producing an overvigorous plant that's wasting water and overshading the berries under new conditions. And so my work is going to have kind of four main questions. And so one is, what are the dynamic responses in these three kind of control variables that are optimal under different global change scenarios? Um, so for example, uh, do we want cultivars to do different things uh, for different regions of California or for different um, possible changes in environmental conditions? And the second is looking at how do grapevines actually line up with these predictions of what they should do? Uh, one reason that we might think that grapevines could be pretty far from what's actually optimal is that um, grapevines are carrying around this evolutionary baggage where they've spent millions of years evolving to do this, where they're taking over this tree and competing with the roots for water, and they've been bred for thousands of years to cooperate nicely in a vineyard and share water. And so it's possible that they're operating pretty far from what we would want to be a viticultural optimum that um, uses water in a... Uh, in a in a sustainable way. And so um, a part of this work is going to be about comparing these predictions for what we think grapevines should do with what they actually do and how much adjustment in their, um, in their physiology do we need to make to actually bring them towards something that is more uh, resource efficient for us. 
And then how can we use management to produce an optimal environment? Where management tools are another kind of optimization problem, where if we can't change the vine itself, um, intrinsically in terms of its biology, we can change uh, properties of the vine, for example, by pruning and things like that, um, and changing the irrigation strategy to um, reach an optimal environment. So I want to be able to bring that bring management strategies into this modeling framework to ask how can we use irrigation and pruning to, um, to keep up the yield and berry chemistry that we want despite new environmental stresses. And then finally, I want to keep working on what are the main traits that are really most important to target in cultivar development? Um, how can we improve the stress tolerance of cultivars without affecting the yield and quality of wine? And so I want this to be a research program that solves problems that are facing growers and viticulturists. Um, I want this to provide clear targets for cultivar improvement. What traits would we really benefit from focusing on um, in new varieties? Uh, and that uh, includes exploring trait spaces that might not exist in grapevines yet. Um, for example, we're facing unprecedented environmental conditions in some parts of California. Maybe the, the kinds of anatomy and physiology traits that would really benefit us most in grapevines aren't in grapevines yet. But we can use models to kind of explore what that would look like. And then finally, I want to develop modeling tools that will help growers um, develop management strategies that are tailored to their specific regions and cultivars and vineyard designs. And so I'm really looking forward to talking with all of you about what you would like uh, to see in research and how I can help you. So thank you all very much. In our next program, UC Cooperative Extension Specialist Con Cutterall will talk about canopy management. The Vine Line is produced in association with the Lake County Wine Grape Commission, the UC Davis Department of Viticulture and Enology, and the UC Cooperative Extension. I'm Bill Grudy. See you next time.